Your old pal, the Crypt Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. And hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Trigger Treaters podcast. I am your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, JR. Uh, how you doing, JR? I am doing great as we're recording the Saturday after the Thanksgiving holiday. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, ate a lot of turkey, ate a lot of ham, a lot of pumpkin pie, pecan pie, whatever was your delights, and then went online and bought all the stuff they wanted for Christmas. Uh, if you got a PS5 or an Xbox, I, you know, the odds were definitely in your favor this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I had a pretty good Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I've, I, 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 I luckily had some leftover pumpkin pies. Just how I've been eating on that. Uh, I started eating eating on that last night and uh, not before. Uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of holding off on buying a a new Xbox and until uh, probably next year. Uh, because I mean I've got an Xbox One right now and it's it's fine, so, so I don't really see a point in getting a new console because there's really not any like upcoming like next gen games that I just absolutely have to have. So I'm good with my Xbox One. What I'm looking for, uh on December 10th, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out, and I cannot wait for that game. I am not a big gamer. I, yeah. I enjoy playing video games. I only play two video games because I suck at them. I I only play football and pro wrestling. And, yeah. um, you know, right now I'm heavily deep dive into um, – for football, you know, as the staple Madden, you know, by EA Sports, we have what's called the Madden Ultimate Team. It's basically like you got to, you know, through challenges, you create the best team that you can possibly can. And I always, you know, it's always weird because, you know, you get up, you get so well at the end of, you know, one, you know, the one game of the year. And then the next, you know, the next year comes out and you got to start kind of back over. But I kind of like the challenge. How can I do better? And so I'm, um, you know, creating my team and, you know, being smarter and completing challenges. But the other, other than that, like, I don't play anything else. I think um, I had first got a PS3 kind of when it first came out. And there was, I had some issues with it. And I just, you know, I ended up taking it back. I waited a year and got, like, the newer version of PS3. And there was, you know, it was perfectly better. I always feel like it's it's better to wait. I think the other thing, too opinion is you know when you get a brand like, and i was talking about this with my, with my boss because he's a big gamer he's like you know i was gonna get the ps5 and i was gonna buy like you know five or six games for the kids and you know but nobody knows how good the games are and so it's like you spend all this money investing to it and then for all you know after you know however much the console is three or four hundred dollars five hundred then you're spending you know five video games at sixty to seventy dollars you know, by the time you get warranty another controller, you're almost a thousand dollars into it, and it's just, you know, for what the games may not be good or anything like that, and you're just kind of, you know, wasting your time and money. And so, for me, I rather just, uh, I rather just wait until a video game, as you mentioned, you know, one that really comes out. So I'm hoping, as both you and I are, you know, wrestling fans, that the new AEW video game. Uh, that comes out in the next, you know, the next gen console is really good, and then I would break down and, and buy that, yeah, uh, on a PS5 because I'm I'm a PS5 guy. It's always funny when we, when people talk about you know Xbox or PlayStation, and the biggest uh, I don't know when I came here to listen to us talk about gaming, but the biggest they always find funny is people talk about the cr- controller, like the PS PlayStation controller is weird. I'm like I find the PlayStation controller natural to me. I feel like an Xbox controller is weird. Yeah, see, I, I'm the complete opposite. Like, I, I'm, I find the Xbox controller like way more natural. But you know, 
play all have our own preferences. I think the reason is because I that's what I had was a PlayStation uh, when I was you know in '98. I remember I turned 10 years old and I got my birthday money and bought a PlayStation. And then I never I was never uh, really a Nintendo guy besides Game Boy. So when I saw the when I saw like the N64 controller, I was like, this is so weird. And then the GameCube controller. And then for me, the, the best controller is probably the Wii controller or the original, you know, or a Game Boy controller or original Super, uh, the original Nintendo controller. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if the Super Nintendo controller was natural to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, I used to be a, jo- a big PlayStation fan like uh, when I was younger. And then uh, I went over to a friend's house one night, uh, uh, one weekend, and he had an, he had he had uh, an Xbox like it just came out, and he had Halo Combat Evolved, and he was telling me about it at school, and it it sounded interesting, so I wanted to go over and play it, so I played it, and literally after playing that, like I went back home when the, my, my mom came and got me, and I got my mom to take me to GameStop, and I. I traded in my PlayStation, all my games and controllers, and got an Xbox, Halo 1, a controller, and I think Silent Hill 2, and I never looked back. I've always been an Xbox person ever since. But uh, I used to play into the whole console wars and stuff, but nowadays I don't really care. And plus, my roommate has uh, has every console that there is, so no matter what console a game comes out on, I can play it. <laughs> That's one of the funny things, is, and we were talking about this uh, a little bit yesterday in a group chat, you know, as us uh, wrestling fans, how big of a gamer's pro- today's pro wrestlers are. And, um, you know, like one of ours that we follow, Nyla Rose, I think she has like every single console from the original, like Nintendo and the whole game. And then you have Xavier Woods, who just got accepted for, you know, G4 to be a host. I think, you know, when they're doing his promo, he had like every... It was like every Sega Saturn game, every Dreamcast game, every Nintendo uh, Wii U game. I mean, he had a bookshelf that that was just, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of video games that he's collected, you know, over the years. It's just, uh, and I always thought that was pretty cool. And for me, where I work at the university, we had this uh, gentleman who I went to school with, and he's now a, a staff member. He was a big gamer, and he actually brought a, a gaming um a gaming uh i can't think of the term but basically it was a fundraiser and so like people would game for like 12 12 straight hours and to raise money for uh the children's miracle network uh, which is to help raise funds for a hospital that uh does research for children's cancer and treats children with, with cancer and they i mean it didn't matter what type of gaming system they had everything i mean and they know exactly they had old school Xboxes and PlayStations and Nintendos, and they had brought old school tube televisions. Because it's like you can't, you know, you, you can't play a, you can't play, you know, an Xbox or a, a Super Nintendo on a new flat screen television. It just doesn't look, it's, it looks terrible. See, so that people who game have, you know, they have like an older Super Nintendo or something like that. They have a backup tube television just specifically for them to game with the old school systems. Which yeah. I just thought was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of the wrestlers we like these days are big gamers. I think that's great too. It it, uh, it gives me something else to uh, connect with them on. But yeah, but uh, I'm sure nobody wants to sit and talk about video games all day. Even though I could, uh, everybody's here to listen to us review horror movies and uh uh t- today we are reviewing uh 19 the film from 1988 child's play which ended up spawning several sequels uh and it's weird too because it's like child's play is a movie that while some of the sequels aren't that great i, I think i like more sequels in child's play compared to other franchises uh uh other franchises such as like you know like hellraiser and uh leprechaun and uh, stuff like that you know and that's actually it's funny you bring that up because our our colleagues um at dead and santa clara and i'm trying to remember if it was a if they were covering child's play three 
yeah. back in September. I think they were doing their their sequel September. Yeah, it was Child's Play three. And one thing they said, you know, with if if you really throw out see the Chucky, because that's yeah. just, I mean, that is literally the drizzling shits. The see the Chucky. <laughs> I mean, I even I would rather watch Halloween three than see the Chucky. Um, <laughs> it's just so I can't believe how bad that movie was. But if you look at Child's Play one, two, three, Brian, and I like Brian Chucky because the the comedic value and you know god bless the late john ritter who had a role in there and you know you had a young Catherine hagel who was also in there you um and then you know when especially when they came back with curse of chucky and cult of chucky um they were really good sequels i think like over like overall like if you combine the sequels if you take out see the chucky like if you just throw out like we're gonna throw out the worst sequel of every series I mean, Child's Play is up. I mean, I think I'd rather, you know, overall watch Child's Play sequels over even Halloween sequels. You know, especially when you look at, you know, Halloween Resurrection or Halloween 5, um, you know, Halloween 3, uh, the Rob Zombies Halloweens. Because I, for me, you know, I know we're covering 88, but 1990, Child's Play 2, I think it was probably the most horrific one in the, in the original, you know, the first three they came out with. Uh, yeah. Child's Play 3, and I just think, you know, that's when I think Chucky started coming to his home, with Brad Dorff with the comedic humor, and then Brian Chucky is just freaking yeah. hilarious. I mean, it's not really a it's not really a, a horror film in my, you know, con- it's just because they really try to do the, you know, that millennial, you know, kind of twinge to it, where it's just kind of like, you know, we're, we're, we're cool killers like you know that we kind of saw in the late 90s and um you know this is what got my introduction to horror was was a child's play you know series so chucky i just think is uh, awesome and really you know look at brad dorf just does such a great job voicing uh chucky i mean he knocks it out of the ballpark yeah, yeah, he kills it as Chucky. It's he's he he's become he's become a horror icon in that. Uh, it's weird because like a, a lot of people uh, don't really have too good of things to say about Child's Play three, and Child's Play three I think is actually my favorite one in the series. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 so funny. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you like you know. And we'll get into that later, but if you look at some of the way that some of the deaths are, I mean, if you look at the interactions between, you know, the new, one of the new characters um, when they're in the boarding school or the Army Academy, it's, you know, like I said, and, and Brad Dorof as Chucky, he really takes another direction. And, yeah, it's not over, it's not scary. It's really not scary at all, but it's just – and I think it does to – it, it what happens is you get this a different element in horror similar to freddy krueger i mean it's everybody you know you can put on a mask on a killer and whether it's michael myers or jason or leatherface and you know basically the silent you know monster type but it takes a lot of work to really do the like the type of you know dark horror dark dark comedy that is like Chucky, like Freddy Krueger, I think even a little bit of uh, I'll add the um, Ghostface, you know the kill, the various killers in the Scream franchise. You know it's easy. To, I think it's easier out there to be like you know a quiet killer and stalking, but to make those wisecracks that he does and to break up the you know to break up the you know the scary element. I think is kind of cool. It, you know what I see on it on a different on a completely different level and, and people would probably disagree with this but to me one of the things that makes um like the avengers so much better than than the dc universe you know the marvel universe is the different emotions marvel takes you through you know it makes you laugh makes you cry makes you sad makes you angry and you know that's one of the things when you're watching the later child's play like child's play three or, or brian chucky for example as brad dorf gets in this community area you get scared, you laugh. It's taking you through a different range of emotions that um, I think is is really cool, and just I think it allows you to cater to um, a, maybe a bigger audience. 
Yeah, I, I fully agree with you there. Uh, what's it? What's interesting is that uh, so MGM like on the rights to this, and after this was made, uh, you know, a lot of people like this this movie got a lot of uh, went under fire for a little. bit. They said that it was you know encouraging violence uh, against kids, uh, you know, and especially with being a a, ch- uh, a children's toy. Uh, being the one doing the killings and uh, there was actually uh from what i read the, 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 there was actually one killing where somebody these people these i don't i, I can't remember if they were teenagers or, or or like or or adults did kidnap like this 16 year old girl i believe and uh and killed her but like while they were uh, apparently there was uh evidence that while the, they were killing her they 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 had her like listen to a uh, a tape over and over again of one of the, the people uh constantly repeating the line uh, i'm chuck you want to play over and over again and uh like stuff like this caused this to get like a real bad rep and mgm ended up uh selling the rights to it to, to universal but what's weird is that they sold the rights to like the rest of the franchise for universal because this was right before child's play 2 was going to get made but so when 2019 came around and the Child's Play reboot was uh, was happening, uh, because MGM still retained the rights to the original, uh, MGM actually distributed distributed that one. The yeah the 2019 um yeah the 2019 sequel which starred uh, Matt Hamill as the voice of Chucky and they were the Buddy Dolls which they you know I, you know I was. At first glance, I thought the movie was good, but then when I was watching, and I love him so much, you know, um, shout out to James A. Janice for Dead Meat, but he, he makes you think of things you think about, and so, yeah, um, like, one of the things was, how the hell is your, um, everything is on Wi-Fi in, the, in that movie, Child's Play, you know, yeah. 2019, because, yeah. you know, the whole concept was the buddy system, and, like, essentially, you have a network that's all connected by the buddy doll, and so everything from you know the air conditioning to the television i think uh the vacuum i think was even on the wi-fi it was yeah. uh it's definitely uh weird but you know that's one of the things about horror though is just the the rights of franchises bounce back and forth um i mean we talk especially the distribution rights and I, I know i've seen that in halloween seen that in hellraiser friday the 13th um i feel like nightmare and Street is the only one that ever probably stayed with uh, with New Line Cinema, but you know that whole concept about you know life imitating art and the violence. I mean, you and I know as a wrestling fan, you've heard this in wrestling as well. Um, you know that they saw somebody do a move and they did it on their sibling, and oh yeah, you know it's it's an unfortunate, tragic situation, but. And, and I'm sorry, and I, you know, I don't want to get into it, but like that's really where you know the parents have to draw the line if they need to talk to their kids when they, you know, see these things. Like, and, and I'll give you an example um, that has nothing to do with any of these, but like South Park. I was 10 years old when South Park was such a big deal, and my mom and dad sat me down. They're like, "You do know this is like not real. This is fake. This is the way you talk to people in, in the, you know, in the real world, you know." This is disrespectful, but we're going to let you see it. However, the minute that you start acting like a fucking idiot, you know, we're going to, you know, you're going to lose all your privileges. And it was that way when the TV show came out, Comedy Central, to the movie, you know, Bigger, Longer, and a Cut came out. And as long as they, as I understood that that line was, you know, was, was drawn, then, you know, my parents, you know, they gave me that, they, you know, they trusted me. But they explained to me it's the same thing also growing up in the attitude era for wrestling you know there's a lot of things that we saw that we probably shouldn't have seen at the ages of 8 9 10 11 12 but you know you have that discussion with your children and you let them know it's the same thing you know with this stuff and are you going to prevent any you know all types of violence from happening of course not because there's unfortunately you know there's people who are you know who suffer from everything from mental illness or they're just sick twisted and full of uh, malice but you got to have that type of discussions with you know with your children and let them know like this isn't real this is fake like that you know this isn't acceptable behavior this is just to you know incite emotion in you to be happy sad scared angry um but that's it so 
I'm, you know, and that was everything, you know, whether, especially in the late 80s, you saw that in movies, you know, you saw that with music, especially in the rap, you know, rap genre, you know, they talk about that a lot with, uh, uh, you know, the NWA, and it's, it's, it's captured the movie straight out of Compton, I know Ice-T had that same thing happen to him, that's where we saw the um, explicit lyric advisory, parental advisory, you know, logo came out on CD, so... But that's enough of that. You know, people just monitor what your kids watch and give them a sort of a leash in the minute they act, you know, dumb, just pull them back into the yard and explain to them. That's my two cents. But, yeah. Yeah, I agree with there. Uh, and what sucks is uh, before we get into it, like one last little funny bit. Uh, do you know, how, like, I'm glad you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned South Park. Do you know how, like, how, how horrible it was, like, growing up? with South Park like first coming out and getting real popular and your name is Kyle and one of the main <laughs> characters is named Kyle. Kyle Brofowski. Yeah. Do you know how many times uh, as a kid people sung Kyle's mom is a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> well, I'm worried you. All right. Well, Kyle's mom's this bitch. She's a bitch. She's a big fat bitch. She's stupid bitch. She's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. for for me, you know, in one of this, I was the big kid growing up in school. So, in fifth grade, which is probably at the peak of South Park, I was 185 pounds, and it, yeah. it just there's no 11 year old that should be 185 pounds unless he's seven like that. So, um, you know, that's why um, I'm very, you know. Self-esteem issues. Why I really focus on my diet. Why I only eat one plate on Thanksgiving. That was just green beans and turkey breast. But I was the real life version of Cartman, and you know, and I kind of embraced that at a younger age. And my parents, you know, my mom bought me Cartman shirts. I remember I had my one of my favorite shirts was the, um, uh, it was Cartman with the he had a pink tank top that said mm, Beefcake, and he was taking the weight gainer three thousand. Yeah, that's the show. That's still going strong too. I, I need to go. Actually, I need to watch their their you know COVID episode. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, I heard it was good though. We won't waste any more time. We'll then go ahead and get into it. Like I said before, we're talking about Child's Play from 1988. So without further ado, let's get into it. Everyone has a birthday they'll always remember. Can we open my presents now, mommy? A good guy. I knew it. Hi, <laughs> I'm Chucky. He's something, isn't he? This is Andy's. Time for bed, Andy. Good night, baby. Good night, Aunt Maggie. Good night, Chucky. Everyone knows most accidents happen at home. How did that happen? This is no accident. Andy! I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead, Miss Barclay. She fell from the kitchen window. Someone's moved in with the Barclay family. And so has terror. Mommy, I know who was on the counter. Andy! Who, Andy? Chucky. Nobody believes you about Chucky. For God's sake. Why won't you believe me? Because I'm sane. This is Barkley sane and rational. No one believes the truth. <laughs> or lives to tell it. There's nothing nice about murder. And there's nothing innocent about child's play. And all right. Uh, so this was released on November 9th, 1988. It has a runtime of 87 minutes. It is directed by Tom Holland, produced by D David Kirshner, and the screenplay is done by D Don Pashini. And it stars Catherine Hicks, Chris Sanderson, uh, and Alex Vincent. 
have a budget of nine million dollars, and in the box office, it made forty four point two million. Yeah, you know, one of the, the good things, uh, I would say, amazing things is Don Mancini, who was a writer. He literally, um, he's written one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, he eight movies. And with the exception of one, they're all child's play. Yeah. In 1988, he he uh, wrote another one called Cellar Dweller, which um, looks to be another horror film. And then from the minute that he wrote Child's Play, he that's all he wrote was Child's Play. Uh, child's Play one, two, three, Bride Chucky, Seated Chucky, Curse of Ch- Chucky, and Cult of Chucky. He's done a little bit on TV. Uh, he did tell he did an episode of Tell Us for the Crypt. And then 15, or excuse me, 25 years later, he did two episodes of Hannibal. He did three episodes of a TV show called Channel Zero. And obviously, coming next year, the the new television spinoff, Chucky, that, if I'm not mistaken, is Sci-Fi Network, correct? Uh, yeah, Sci-Fi. Basically, you know, I'm, I love t- looking at numbers. When you look at Child's Play, basically in 1988, if you do the inflation... Um, one dollar in 1988 is approximately two dollars and twenty cents today. So they had a budget of approximately, you know, today's today's amount of money, uh, uh close to twenty million dollars. And then, but their box office was close to a hundred million dollars. So I mean, that's pretty impressive to be able, you know, when you look at it, make uh five times your money back. And you know, especially when you didn't realize, you know what this could potentially do and then you see what the you know you're able to spin it off and one of the things i've always liked about was you know our we have this for lack of a better word a cult following you know our our horror fans they love horror movies and so it doesn't matter what it is but pretty much if you make a horror movie especially you know one of these guys like chucky you're gonna make some money back um and i think one of the things they eventually go into the especially with how streaming has just got so big in the last you know five five to eight years the direct to dv direct to streaming or direct to dvds was great for them but yeah i mean to make 45 million in 1988 i'm sure that was a big deal yeah it's great that it was that successful especially on something uh that's literally just about a a uh a kid's doll killing people oh yeah i mean and if you think about it isn't this all of our worst nightmares come to life you know yeah. all of us have cabot you know whether it was gi joe cabbage patch you know um any sort of action figures whether it be like you know batman or pro wrestlers or if you know those that like you know Barbie dolls or any other you know uh, Raggedy Ann, Raggedy Andy, anything you think of, this is the worst nightmare for every kid is for their dolls to come to life. From what I was reading, uh, it seems inspiration for this came from a, from a, a Twilight Zone episode where where a similar premise happened where a child's doll uh, comes to life and is uh, trying to kill people. Oh yeah, I mean, and um, one of the things is. We're also, I don't think we discussed it on here. Um, I'm trying, I've had so many conversations during this pandemic, but this was at the tail end of the massive, successful toy Cabbage Patch Kids. You're talking about, I mean, you think, you think, you know, people camping out for PlayStations, PS5s is crazy. Go look at videos of parents, mothers, you know, going into Kmart's or KB Toys or Toys R Us, you know, terrorizing workers trying to get a Cabbage Patch doll for their kid for Christmas. You know, that's really, you know, I people nowadays they get upset, angry. Oh, we don't have the PS5, and I know it sucks for you, for those of you who wanted it. But go look at those, go look at those videos of. There's nothing worse than an angry mother who can't find their toy for their kid for Christmas, especially back in the 80s. So, um, yeah, you know, this really capitalized on, you know, the popularity of of Cabbage Patch Kids. You know, like I said, this was at the very tail end of that of that successful franchise. And I think this was, you know, really the perfect, perfect movie to make to capitalize off of that. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's go ahead and get into it. 
So, well, this movie, it starts in, it's set in the current present time of 1988, and we have, um, in the streets of the south side of Chicago, we see a character dressed in, in a peacoat right uh, the south side of Chicago, and this character, played by, played by Brad Dorff, is Charlie Lee's Ray, a convict, um, a fugitive and a serial killer, and he's being chased after Detective Mike Norris, who ends up shooting, uh, Charles in the back, and as Charles is trying to uh, get away, his accomplice, whose name is Eddie Caputo, takes off, and you know basically leaves Charles behind. And Charles breaks into a toy shop where the detective Mike Norris, you know, I think the term is mortally wounds him, which essentially means he's gonna die. Yeah. So you know he's basically trying to find a way to ex- somehow exact revenge on you know, those who wronged him, including the detective. And once he realizes he's dying, he performs a a voodoo spell to transfer his soul into the body of the good guy doll. And this is where we see, uh, I think, a very cool um, special effect where we see, you know, the clouds coming over the toy store and the lightning strikes the toy store and it kind of basically explodes. And we see, um, you know, basically uh, it goes into, you see a zoom in of Charles Lee Ray and you see a, uh, a zoom in of the doll who we find out to eventually be named Chucky short for Charles. Now, one of the things, Kyle, I, let me ask you this question. I've seen this, you know, going back and looking at this. I've tried, I don't ever remember seeing the amulet that we come to know in the um in Brad Chucky. You know, if for those who watch Brad Chucky, they talk about the heart of Zambala, I think it is. Yeah. Which is used to transfer, you know, a soul from you know one part to another. It's not yeah. in this. Yeah. It's not in this. Yeah. I don't remember seeing it in it at all. So I guess they just kind of retcon stuff uh with Brad Chucky. Okay. Which I mean, I I can uh, it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to because the the person who directed uh, Bride of Chucky was Ronnie Yu, who directed Freddy vs Jason, and I mean he went back on so much stuff that was already established in that in that franchise. Oh. But uh, well to be to be fair, you know we probably wouldn't get to Hacking Sack New Jersey if it wasn't for them making up the heart of the ball of soul. It definitely created a plot point inside there, and it was something that was you know if you really think about it at the time, was very uh minu minuscule. You know, especially yeah. if you look at that, it was if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, about ten years you know after you know Brian Chucky compared to Child's Play, so probably nobody even paid attention. It's just you know yeah. for us we did. Speaking of like retcon and stuff, I can't remember if it's Seed or I think it's Curse. After this movie, it's not until Curse of Chucky that they ever mention Chucky's partner Eddie ever again. It's like it, it's like throughout the rest of the franchise uh, up till Curse, they just kind of forgot that Charles Charles Lee Ray had had, a, had an accomplice. I don't know about you, but uh, after watching the uh, the kill count. Uh, after dead, after James talked about it, I can't unsee it. Does Charles Lee Ray to you look like someone who's trying to do like a drunk cosplay of Tommy Wazoa? Okay, hold on, I need to pull this up real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all. I, he pointed that out, and I was like, oh my god, that's yes, I can't unsee that. Hey, who was it? Um, J- James I, from Dead Meat. He said he looks like Charles Lee Ray resembles somebody who's doing a drunken cosplay of Tommy Wazoa. Oh, yeah, I can see it now. Yep. <laughs> the one of the good things about, I'll say this in general, if you look at, you know, this film is the, you know, being in the South Side of Chicago, the, you know, characters, the way, you know, a hardworking single mother, everything about this, you know, from my understanding and what I've seen is pretty accurate, which is that's kind of what you want to see in you know, a film in, in any setting is how accurate, you know, the, the setting is. But we fast forward to the next day and we see a young boy who we come to know as Andy Barclay. It's his birthday and he's making the most sugary, sugary cereal 
concoction that you could possibly do. You know, he has basically what looks the child's play cereal, which looks like Captain Crunch with berries or Crunch Berries. And he puts like four spoonfuls of sugar in this freaking bowl. And he's obviously a big fan of this good guy franchise. He's watching a good guy show and he has his good guy pajamas on. And I can relate to Andy on this scene like so much because I can't even tell you how many times as a kid I would just put spoonfuls of sugar in my Frosted Flakes or Cheerios. That's like my dude. That's like my grandma. My grandma's like 75 pounds and eats nothing, but give her some Frosted Flakes and like a uh, you know a bag of sugar, and she pours that some bitch in there. My grandma's like my grandma is made up of sugar, sugar, uh, Virginia Slims, and a Bud Light. Grandma's three vices: a Bud Light, and because she's 75 pounds, she drinks it over ice to like make it last longer which you know if you put ice in, in Bud Light it makes things up but yeah that Virginia Slims and Frosted Flakes for sugar but I, I honestly when we were kids you know we were you know as most people are hardworking, you know uh middle class families we got whatever cereal was on sale so whether that would could be that could be anything from Lucky Charms to Frosted Flakes but most of the time it was probably something like Corn Flakes or Rice Krispies and you know you get that rice krispies or you get that cornflakes that doesn't have you know sugar like you know the things like you know captain crunch berries or stuff like that sugar is your best friend you lie that some bitch up with you know as many spoonfuls of sugar as you want there ain't nothing better in the world i think if you go that's where we're going so far off on a tangent on this but go go get a bowl of, of cornflakes or rice krispies and put sugar in that and tell that's gonna be that's that to me tastes a whole lot better than frosted flakes with sugar because it's the right amount of sugar that makes it taste like the chef's kiss. That's just my opinion, though. I've never tried that. I've only ever did Frosted Flakes and Cheerios with sugar, but who knows? Maybe. <laughs> so um, as we get back to our show, he, the mob surprises him with uh, with presents, and he unfortunately gets what every kid hates, uh, new clothes. But he does get a little bit of toys of the good guy. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's like a tool set. And, you know, the mom, you know, obviously he's disappointed and the mom wants to, you know, take care of him. So she's like, you know, I didn't have enough money to save up to get the good guy doll. And she he, she promises she's going to get it for him. And then we go where she's at work and her the, her best friend, uh, Maggie, who's like an aunt to Andy, tells her, hey, this guy's selling a good guy doll in the, you know, and basically in the, the alley. So she goes outside and meets a, you know, a transient who has a good guy doll and you know she and she pays for the good guy doll and takes it takes home to andy for his birthday gift and andy's all in love with his new good guy doll which we come to find out is chucky and as we're seeing some interactions in this the next uh maggie's watching uh andy as andy's mom karen who's that's andy's mom's name is karen is at working we see these interactions where Andy's kind of like, you know, talking to Chucky, but we don't see Chucky like moving. It's just, you know, certain aspects where like Andy leans in uh, to hear like a whisper. And essentially what happens is uh, at the night she tucks Andy in bed and Maggie starts hearing noises and she returns to see that the the doll is out of bed and she puts the doll back in bed with Andy. And then as she goes back out into the living room, she gets hit in the head with a hammer and falls out the window and falls on top of a car to her death, which um, this is like the, you know, with the exception of Charles E. Ray, this is like the first real death of the film. And one of the best things that you see in this film is a slow buildup to Chucky revealing himself. Like you really don't see, yeah. um, you don't see, you know, Chucky, full on Chucky. It's just, you see little things like, you know, Chucky, you know, like there's a small thing where Chucky's running across the living room, but you don't actually see Chucky really present himself to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And also like you start to, uh, even though like we saw like what happened at the beginning of the movie, you start to see him sort of reveal himself once he really is. Cause uh, him and Andy are watching the news and they're watching a thing on Charles Lee Ray because, and Chucky's wanting to f- try and find out if there's information on Eddie and then, like, when he goes back to watch the TV again, when it's just Chucky, he's watching the, the, the news again to try and find whereabouts of where Eddie. Which, isn't that kind of weird? Like, if you're, you know, if the why would the news know of an escape fugitive? Yeah. yeah. I'm I mean, just saying. 
it really is weird. It really don't make sense. Uh, I mean, unless he there, he was trying to listen in for like if they had like you know some sort of whereabouts, but not his exact location. But then again, like why would they say that they were just gonna you know? So yeah, yeah, that didn't quite make sense. Uh, in the original, what I was reading up on the original script, uh, Maggie was supposed to die by being electrocuted in a bathtub, but they ended up changing that, and then they ended up, you know, reusing Maggie's death uh, for Jennifer Tilly's death in Bride of Chucky. Well, I would say that's one of the good things. These deaths, they're they're kind of unexpected. You yeah. know, you don't expect Maggie to get ahead. Where like in that scene if she were getting electric like how would she be electrocuted all of a sudden she puts the kid to bed she's jumping in the shower yeah um you know that's just you know things like that um and i think that's really what makes you know it the movie builds i think they did such a good job building up to where like oh she falls you know this is it's, i mean it's kind of it's a it's a hor- horrible death but it's not like a gruesome death where it's just it's out of nowhere which is that cut catch you off uh more off guard yeah. But um, after Maggie dies, you know, uh, Karen, Andy's mom comes home and she sees uh, we see Detective McNorris again. And she he's with Andy explaining like, oh, it was kind of an accident. But all of a sudden, when Maggie dies, she's cleaning up um, that Chucky had knocked over like a flower, uh, like a flower pot. Not like a not like a, a flower like you grow in your garden, but like, you know, baking flower that was yeah. in a jar. That's actually what I should have used. Uh, that was in a jar. And he sees these like footprints and their tools, which is the bottom of Andy's shoes. So for some reason, Mike Norris thinks this seven, eight year old boy is, you know, killed his basically adopted aunt, which yeah. is weird. And um, Andy goes back to bed and he notices that Chucky has kind of flour on his feet. And he tells Mike Norris that Chucky, ha- you know, has the same shoes They and they dismiss it. Um, the next morning, Andy <laughs> oh. goes to. You left out the funniest part, though. Uh, whenever Andy's told him that he thinks it's Chucky, uh, he tells his mom, Karen, that uh, Chucky told him that Aunt Maggie was a real bitch and she got what she deserved. Oh, he does. And you know what? I'm sorry. That's one of the funniest things ever is when kids curse. Oh, like in The Wedding Singer. The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. Yeah. And his girlfriend, like, doesn't show up. And, you know, for the wedding, and the next day she comes over and says, like, you know what? She didn't. And one there's a and uh, Adam Sandler's character has like a niece, a niece and nephew. And the nephew goes up to you know the his fiance who didn't show up, and she's like, hey, I think her name was Linda. He's like, hi, Linda. He's like, hey, how you doing, little boy? He's like, you're a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like kids cursing to me is the funniest thing ever. I just you know because you see like this innocent child just using foul mouth language. I just think it's hilarious. But yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, well, the next day, Andy goes to school, but then essentially we see Andy sneak out of school again. I'm sorry. I don't know what school does this, but like, girl, like when you go into school, at least in my area, like you, the, the fence was open like at eight o'clock and then at 815, that fence locked and you couldn't leave unless you go to the front office. So yeah. we're just randomly letting kids leave school, especially, you know, seven, eight year old kids. But that's in there or there. Then Andy jumps on the jumps on the Chicago train, which is another thing, like, who lets a seven, eight-year-old boy on a train by himself? Um, yeah. You know, school, I guess the school of hard knocks, school of streets. <laughs> and um, Andy and Chucky, they sneak into Eddie's house, and um, we see Chucky essentially mess with, the, you know, the gas line that essentially blows up and kills Eddie and this is, you know, this is Chucky's revenge on Eddie for leaving him out to, you know, basically leaving him hanging, and which allowed him to die. And for some reason, Andy is once again deemed a suspect, and all of a sudden they send him to psychiatric hospitals because he's saying that Chucky is the one who who killed now two people. Um, you know, for something for a short budget, this has some really good special effects if you think about it. You know, blowing oh, yeah. up a whole house and then also. Uh, um, you know, that the end going off the, you know, through the window, through a car. Yeah. Uh, uh, not to mention that, like, Chucky is like, besides a couple things where he's played, he's he's played by some people. Chucky is essentially just animatronics. Yeah. And that's one of the things is with the animal, what you learn when you see the behind the, the behind the scenes stuff of um, 
of all the different child's play is how many like puppeteers go into um go into this they go into you know making chucky work i guess for lack of a better word does that make sense yeah so um essentially because of what happens andy's committed to um andy's committed to psychiatric care overnight and the mom goes home and she has chucky and she's you know very distraught because of um what's happening and she's kind of talking talking to chucky and all of a sudden uh she picks up a box and realizes that out of the box the um the batteries fall out and chucky's been talking this whole time with no batteries so she realizes that something's going on because it shouldn't happen and she threatens to throw the doll inside the uh inside of a fire if chucky doesn't you know say something and that's where chucky finally reveals himself as you know to all of us the audience that um he uh he calls her a bitch and a and a slut and everything yep and so chucky you know chucky ends up leaving and goes through and karen runs to detective norris explains everything and detective norris at first doesn't believe her but she goes to you know run into the transient that um that sold her the doll and the transient attacks karen and you know mike you know saves her and where he got the doll and that's where mike norris realizes that this doll is from the same toy store where charles e ray died and um and he tells karen what happens and then we see a situation where she takes him home and the tech norris is um driving and chucky's inside of his car and he attacks him and he tries to strangle him and then he tries to stab him and he causes the car to um causes the car to crash and he as he attacks him uh, you know finally mike norris is able to get one shot and shoots chucky in the kind of almost in the chest actually in the chest but you know away from the heart that saves him i mean excuse me that doesn't save him that uh that wounds him but that chucky notices that something's happening and he runs off then the next thing we see is he runs into a gentleman who's known as we come known as john bishop or also known as dr death who is essentially a voodoo master that taught uh charles Ray everything he knows and john tells him that he's an abomination he isn't going to help him well then chucky pulls out a voodoo doll that he of john and uses it against john um to get the information that he needs so he begins to break the leg and arm of John, Dr. Voodoo, and then he tells him in order to escape the doll, Chucky must transfer his soul into Andy, the first the first human he revealed himself to. And then uh, Chucky stabs the doll and Dr. Voodoo dies, which I'm going to be honest, I actually kind of like this. Uh, you know, it's something that we get away from this this whole voodoo concept with the exception in the future one where Chucky's trying to put his you know soul into a human i really think they probably should have used this voodoo a little bit more in the in the first couple movies but that's just me i think it's a very interesting twist yeah yeah i like this whole this whole segment uh especially love how he uh uses the voodoo doll against him and and, like breaks his leg and breaks his arm i mean the thing is if if this guy is dr death and he he has you know voodoo students imagine if we go in the future and then all of a sudden like his his like he has a descendant like you know either a daughter or son or he has like another pupil uh you know that he teaches things to to you know exact revenge on chucky that'd be a very interesting storyline in the future you know just especially when you're looking at the tv series that's coming up yeah so if you look at that it's like this guy you know one of his this you know like i said either one of his students or um, um a son or daughter um you you know tries to get revenge for killing you know dr death so after you know he after this happens um karen and mike they run they go into the house and they see that john's dying but before he dies he tells him that chucky is a doll you know he's a doll that his heart is fully human and he's vulnerable to fatal injury chucky arrives at the hospital 
that and he's being held out chucky kills the doctor who for some reason i feel like the doctor was somebody important like in real life but i don't think so i really feel like confusing with something else i thought for some reason it was uh harry carey who was the famous uh chicago cubs um announcer for so many years but I, like I just I looked it up and I'm like I'm completely 100% wrong on that. I have no idea why I thought it was yeah. somebody important. But um, you know, as I digress, I I don't know why I thought that. I don't know if it's because he he looks similar. I don't know if it's because it's in Chicago, the same. But that's here and here and there. So Chucky, you know, kills the doctor and uh, and then they go back into um. He's trying to do, you know, put his soul into Andy as they're back into um, the house. And finally, Mike and the, the uh, Mike and the mom, Karen, comes in and stops, stops it from happening. And they basically both of them get into, you know, both Mike and Karen get into a war with Chucky. Um, they shoot him and then Mike gets injured. He gets stabbed in the leg. They ended up. um Karen ends up throwing uh, Chucky into the fireplace, holds him in there, and Andy's, you know, buried to light Chucky on fire, and he says, and Chucky tells him, I thought we were friends to the end, and Andy says, this is the end, friend, and lights on fire, we see Chucky, you know, gets on fire, and um, it doesn't kill him, that he's essentially all charcoal and melted, and we see the mom gets the... um, the mom uh, shoots Chucky into like like four or five different pieces. Yeah. And even after she, sh- even after they shoot him, Chucky still won't die. And there's we see the detective, a uh, fellow detective of Mike in there, where Chucky's arm somehow gets through like the air conditioning vent yeah. and tries to choke him. And finally they shoot him in the heart and he finally dies. Like Chucky literally is in four or five different pieces. His head, his head's separated from his torso. His he has an arm missing. Um. And and finally, like when Mike uses that fatal shot and shoots him, you know, shoots him in the heart, he finally dies. And they basically all agree that nobody's gonna believe what happens. And we, the last thing we see is a freeze frame of uh, of Andy's face, kind of in horror and scarred from the experience, and then it fades to black. And that is literally the entire. Um, Child's play, like you said, it's 87 minutes. It's you know very, it's very fast watch. Doesn't have a whole, doesn't have a whole lot of deaths in here. I mean, we're seeing you know, we see Charles, we see Maggie, we see Eddie, we see um, Doctor Death, the Doctor, and um, Chucky the doll. So essentially, you know, six deaths in this in this film. Everybody who survived except for Andy was sent to a mental facility after this. Uh, but and in, in the sequel, like you'll you know you find out that all of them was sent to the mental facility, including Andy's mom. But Andy is sent to go live with a foster family. Yeah, and the mom, her real name is Catherine Hicks. Yeah, I'm not sure if she probably got you know I don't want to say too big for you know to be in the sequel or anything like that but she ended up having the very you know infamous role or famous role of the mother in the long-running uh, tv series seventh heaven she plays the the mom in that which that show was on for over a decade that you know she was the the lead in there yeah so probably by far the most successful well besides brad dorf obviously as chucky but you know the most successful one i don't andy uh played by alex vincent i don't think really he never went on to star in a lot of films after especially after child's play 2 yeah and then um you know what i'm sorry mike norris is also very you know i don't take anything away from him because before this he was in fright night and then he's also plays the voice of jack skellington in nightmare before christmas yeah, um, Alex Vincent, like, during this, like, it, it's, it, it sucks that, you know, he didn't go on after, uh, do, do much things after two, because he did really good in this, in this film, especially for a child actor. Yeah, you know, and it's so, that's one of the things, as, as you and I know, that for child actors, it's so tough for them to, you know, yeah. move on to adult roles. I mean, we, you know, time and time again, whether it's TV series or movies, they just, it's always the typecasting I mean, and literally, he did, after Child's Play 2, he did one other film 
and then didn't do anything for 15 years. A funny, interesting fact is, uh, so I think it's Kevin Hogger. I, uh, I probably butchered that last name, but him and him and Catherine Hicks, who played Karen, uh, they met on the set of this, and and Kevin Yonner was the special effects technician in charge of like Crate and Chucky, and they met on the set of this, and they ended up getting married a year later. But uh, what's what's awesome is that you know everybody listening to our podcast know that uh, the Crypt Keeper voices our intro. Chucky's eyes were, were the eyes they used for Chucky were actually reused by Kevin Yonner f- for building the Crypt Keeper puppet in Tales from the Crypt. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that I think is intriguing, for lack of a better word, is you know the character Bad Baddorf is played as we know him as Chucky. You know his full name is Charles Lee Ray, and it's derived from three of the notorious serial killers. Yeah. Uh, Charles Manson. For Charles, Lee Harvey Oswald, who killed President John F. Kennedy, which was where the Lee comes from, and then James Earl Ray, who assassinated uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and that's where Ray comes in. So that's a very eerie thing that this, you know, it's like, oh, we need a serial killer, but let's also name him after three of the worst human beings in the history of America. Yeah. <laughs> um, you look at the share, you look, I mean, the Manson family, you ever, you know, we all know about that, that the, the Tate murders, um, you know, and then obviously the assassination of John F. Kennedy and, and the assassination of Martin Luther King. And, you know, that was, you know, this movie was released, uh, I think, about 20, 21, 20, 22 years after uh, both both of them were assassinated. So it's kind of um, I'm sure this was fresh in a lot of people's mind. I'm not sure if they knew that at the time or not, but that's just that's kind of a very creepy and eerie but yeah, uh, so that was Child's Play. Uh, I've always enjoyed this series. It's always been one that I've always I can I can put on just about most of them and really enjoy as a horror collector. I haven't been able to get a a Chucky doll. I've been trying to get one, but all the ones I find are like really expensive. But I'm hoping one day to own it. My, my ideal one is I want the one from from Bride of Chucky. I always liked that look of Chucky the most. Yeah, I would never fucking buy this doll. <laughs> I mean, and you're, but you're all right though. I mean, this, I, if you look at the doll, I mean, the doll is very well put together. This isn't, you know, yeah. something that, he, he, not to make light of the Cabbage Patch dolls, but you know, this doll is, you know, there's a lot of work and you know goes into making this doll. And you see, you see cheaper versions of these dolls, you know, that look like basically like stuffed bears that they just look horrible. A legit good guy doll. Um, you know, I think what they're at least three, four, five hundred dollars. Yeah. And so, you know, if you want, you know, you can go get a, a a garbage one for like, you know, probably like, you know, thirty, thirty to sixty bucks. I've seen them, you know, during Halloween time at the mall. Um, I've seen them other parts. They just look like I'm. I mean, I'm just gonna be They look like shit. I mean, an actual legit prop replica of a good guy doll um, looks very well done. And but you're gonna pay for it. You're gonna pay a lot of money for it. And um, but you know you get what you pay for. If you want an actual good-looking doll, you're gonna pay four or five hundred dollars. If you want a shitty doll, you're gonna pay thirty to a hundred dollars. Um, and I've seen them, you know, especially going back to Bride of Chucky when that one came out. They came out with you know different. We see all the different versions from the 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 Stitch Face to you know the original one. But yeah, you do pay for what you get for. Well, with that, uh, let's get into final thoughts and ratings. Uh, I'm going to give it – fuck it. I'm, I'm going to give this five good guy cereal boxes out of five because, like, uh, I mean, I know it, it has some flaws, but, like, overall, like, I, I've always really loved this movie, and I really don't see much wrong with it. It's just a it's just a good, solid horror film that, that spawned a, a massive franchise. And and honestly, like like I know a lot of people didn't like it that much, uh, and stuff. And like I understand, uh, I actually like the reboot of this. I would prefer it if it wasn't called Child's Play because I feel like it'd be so much better as a standalone film. But I actually did like the reboot of this. So for me, I would also give a five. Um, I think they did a great job on the casting. Andy being the you know innocent kind of 
dim-witted child and ends up kind of growing at the very end to protect his mom and you see him you know go from the beginning where he's kind of like you know i know who did it it was you know chucky you know it's kind of you know high-pitched voice and at the very end he says like with so much you know seriousness because he knows his mom's life is on the line saying you know this is the end friend it's just how he completely his character has a transformation um brad dorif as the voice of chucky such an iconic voice role i mean and it's crazy to think about it because he's you know brad dorif has been in one flew over the cuckoo's nest he was in lord of the rings he was in dune um we we saw him in is the sheriff beckett um in rob zombies halloween you know he has a lot of he has a lot of good roles he's been in a lot of different things but at the same time this is you know by far the most iconic work he has and it's as the voice of chucky you know also the mom did a great job you know she was her her range you know hardworking single mother and then she just wanted to take care of her child she's you know kind of the going from emotional to aggressive to you know this just all of her ranges she did i think was very good mike norris you know as i mentioned from him he was you know in fright night voice of jack skeleton did a great job I think this movie, in some ways, to me, is kind of similar to um, like Halloween and the way it builds. Like, you know, you have this beginning, you know, situation where there's a death or there's some, you know, some crazy scene, and then as you kind of get as you get reset it to, I would say, a future time. And that movie, you know, was the next day. Halloween was, you know, 15 years later, but you're going to a different direction and the movie just builds up to you finally have, you know, where we see the mom and Chucky have like their standoff. It's just like, Oh, you know, something, this is where like the action is. I think they did a good job with the build and, you know, they're, the other ones are fun, but the first, there's nothing like the first one. Fully agree there. Also, Um, I mean, kudos to child's play, you know, it for destroying uh, a toy line you know one of the main inspirations was my buddy doll yeah. which came out in the 83 which i think was i'm i'm pretty positive it was to you know a competition against uh cabbage patch but if you look at the my buddy doll and yeah. there's one specifically it's uh he has red overalls and he has a striped shirt and he has shorter brown hair i mean Dude, it looks almost just like a good guy doll. I yeah. mean, it's very, very close. I mean, honestly, I if I was, um, I don't think they, I I don't see anything about it. But if I was the, you know, Hasbro created the My Buddy doll line, I probably would have sued. Uh, <laughs> I probably would have sued Child's Play and um, MGM for damages. Yeah. Yeah, because like after this movie, like that toy line never recovered from from the damage this movie caused. <laughs> and then if you look at the, you know, if you take it a step further, I, I don't think these dolls. I'm I don't see anything about these dolls still being made. I'm pretty sure. I mean, if they're being made, they're being made somewhere that I have no idea. But the the advertisement is the My Buddy song, and it's like pretty close to the My Buddy song in the. 2019 remake yeah um, i mean it, it starts off with my buddy which is what matt hamill says yeah mark hamill says in the yeah in, you know in the remake how was child's play uh we hope everyone enjoyed this for you uh we just want to say thank you all for all your support it, it means a lot to us it's been fantastic uh seeing how many people listen to our podcast each week and uh all the people we, we interact with on twitter and uh, especially shout out to our our uh, friends on the uh, Slash and Cast podcast network who you just help share all of our stuff and are just really supportive on everything. Uh, and of course, as always, we can never thank our editor, Carmen, enough. Does an amazing job, makes this all sound great, and there's just never enough to thank him for. We hope you will j- join in next week. Uh, tune in next week and check out because we'll be we'll be reviewing one one of my favorite like horror movies of the 
probably the last 10 years, I'd say, uh, it's interesting because, uh, like, basically the premise of that movie is a sexually transmitted entity because it's literally uh, you'll just have to watch it if you haven't watched it yet. So for anyone who haven't seen it and want to do some homework before you listen to our review next week, we'll be uh, reviewing the 2014 film It Follows, and it's available for free on Shutter. Yeah, I haven't seen this one yet. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't. <laughs> I honestly didn't know where you're going with this. I was like. What movie are we watching as an STI? This is going to be interesting. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's interesting. It's a great film though. Like it, 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 it's it shot beautifully too. Like you know, over time, you'll come to know. Like I'm just a massive fan of cinematography, and this movie has a has a lot of great a lot of great shots. But uh, it's like one of my favorite horror movies of, of the last ten years. It's definitely it's it's really good. But yeah, last I checked, it's on Shutter for free for anybody who hadn't uh, seen it. Sweet, I can't wait. Yep, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Uh, so yeah, everybody, uh, once again, just thank you all for joining us. We hope you you'll continue to support us and uh, tune in next week for It Follows. And with that, uh, we hope everyone has a great day. Stay safe out there, and remember to stay creepy. And with that, we must bid you adieu. Good night. Goodbye. Bang.